Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. The data that is accessible on the internet, so your name and your business email address is actually low risk data because that can be found anywhere. But anything that can't be found anywhere, uh, you know, even down to your payroll details, if that is all in one system and everybody within your practice has got access to all of that, well, you're creating a massive exposure there that it doesn't matter what the outside world's seeing, actually, you've got an internal risk. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Do you ever wonder if your tech security is tight enough? Not sure if your firewalls are like Swiss cheese, or if you're a sitting duck just waiting for a stealthy hacker to pick off your IP address and exploit your data? Having holes in your security is high risk. Get unlucky and your whole system could be down for a day or cost you tens of thousands of dollars in ransom fees, or you can unknowingly be directing payments to fraudulent accounts. My guest today is Darren Strong, owner of Focus Technology Solutions, which provides IT services dedicated to the accounting industry. Today, we're digging into your biggest security risks, especially because with the advent of you and your staff working from home, there's a lot to pay attention to. Darren, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thanks, Geraldine. Thank you for having me here. So let's start with the basics here. For those of us who sometimes may employ either wishful thinking or might be a bit lackadaisical or just don't have time to stay up to date on all things data security, give us the landscape. What's going on when it comes to security right now for CPA firms? Basically, uh, the biggest change really is that it's become very targeted. Uh, so it used to be sort of massive emails that would go out, uh, but now it's a lot more social engineered. So there's a lot more social data about your business and about you as an individual. Uh, and they're using that to create a persona uh, and maybe imitate you or imitate your employees. Uh, so the biggest risk really is, is all about uh, understanding that footprint and understanding those paths of entry. Okay. <laughs> so let's dig into this persona piece. When you say they're learning how to imitate us, how do they get to know us and what, like, explain that. Okay. Yeah. So typically you would have, uh, you know, a few years ago, you would have just got a mass email that would have been quite on point maybe to your industry. Uh, and they're trying to uh, get you to react to that email. Then People got a lot more aware. 
security systems got a lot more work. So things like email filtering systems would block certain emails with different uh, characteristics. Now what they're doing is they're very much using material that is online. So things like company's house, looking up who is the directors, who may be the CFO. Uh, and from there, they're then looking at, for instance, social media uh, and picking up your profiles off social media. That might even be... Uh, what football club you support, where you're going, maybe you've just gone on holiday, uh, and they're using that to create this image and understanding. Uh, also, what, what we're finding is that if you do, unfortunately, get hacked in some way, typically you would have seen a very quick reaction. So your machine would have been encrypted or they would have took some data or you'd have got some sort of ransomware. Uh, now what they're doing is they're staying around for a few weeks, a few months, uh, and they're building up that persona of how do you write emails? Who do you reply to? Who are your customers? How do you tend to in interact with your internal team? So, you know, if you casually every now and again, you may ask for an urgent bill to be paid, uh, and it may be about this type of figure. Uh, and so they're working out from that type of interaction, uh, your social media interaction, and your size of your business. So your turnover of your business from company's house, then they can work out roughly what types of invoicing and bills, types of manner that you wouldn't become surprised if I was to say, can you, you know, move me £500 to this new vendor uh, and can you do it urgently? Uh, because that wouldn't create a surprise for your team. Holy smokes. So gone are the days of getting those random phishing emails from some long lost uncle in Nigeria asking you to wire money to an account. And now it's much more, like you say, targeted and much more sophisticated, where they're basically learning how to pretend to be you. Yeah. And even uh, depending on the size of the business, depending on the size of the exposure, that, you know, when they first interact with you or your business, they don't actually know how big you are or where you are or what you do. You're just an IP address, for instance. Uh, it's when they get inside, they'll then get to understand how much of this is the crown jewels. Then they'll decide how much they're going to spend on that. So, for instance, they may even set up a Hawks email domain. Uh, so, your email domain.com, but they'll maybe change one of the letters or switch them backwards uh, opposite way. Because when you're reading it fast, your mind doesn't take in, a, in enough detail to understand that actually two, two letters have been changed uh, or there's one letter that's been duplicated or an I is an L, for instance. Uh, and so they're working on the fact that, uh, especially with us working from home at the minute, that we're, we've been put into a high-paced environment, into a surrounding that, that you're, you're not used to working in, maybe different hours as well. Uh, and so they're working on the fact that you're scanning things more than potentially reading them in full, and then you'll create a reaction from that. Yeah. And you may have children doing puzzles underneath your feet and you don't, you're not giving your work your full attention. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Uh. So quite often now we're finding <laughs> one of the real common things at the minute is uh, to imitate the CEO. So they can imitate the CEO. They do that in a plain text email. So it'll get through all the email filtering systems. It's not got any viruses, et cetera. Uh, and it's very much like a marketing campaign. So it's looking for a call to action. So it may be that, uh, I know that the uh, CEO has gone on holiday from social media. I then send an email imitating the CEO to the CFO saying, oh, really sorry. I've, you know, I'm on X beach. Uh, really forgot to tell you to pay this bill for me. Can you just pay this invoice to this account? Uh, and it's 500 pounds. Um, and then that 
is very much just a plain text that's coming into the business. So it then needs a level of knowledge of what's going on and looking at emails and understanding what to look for, uh, or actually just a very simple internal process that says, if it's a new bank account or a change to a bank account for, for a client, then there's an internal process that you have to ring that client, for instance, and gain confirmation that that account number has been changed and it has been authorized by them to just stop that fraudulent attempt. So we've got the mimicking thing going on. What else is going on? Uh, so very much the working from home environment, uh, it was all sprung upon us. There are still lots of businesses that, uh, for want of a better word, are putting a plaster on things, hoping that we're going to get back to normal in a certain way. Because of that, there's been lots of uh, door openings within your IT system that have been created because you've had to fast respond. Maybe you didn't have remote access before. And so now you've got all these little openings that you've created within your IT to enable you to continue to function with your clients. So that might be certain unsecure remote access. It might be unmanaged remote access. It might be that you've took data onto your uh, onto your machine. Uh, it may be that you've actually allowed your employees to use their home machines because it was convenient for them to use their home machines and they can get access to the corporate business machine with inside the office. Uh, but now you've got the fact that you've introduced an environment that you can't control anymore. So you've got home machines that you can't control. You've got a home satellite office, for instance, that you're not controlling. You're not controlling the internet. You're not controlling what else is on that internet, like Xboxes and fridges and all the other things that are in your home. Uh, and so before where you had this sort of safe uh, where you've got your your office building is the safe. So you can secure that, you can put a bolt on it, and you know where your data is. Now you've created all these different points of entry that you're no longer managing as a business. Um, even down to something as simple as if your internal processes were that you would print off certain material, and then you would scan that back in maybe with some signatures, et cetera. Well, now, even that physical paper before would have maybe gone through a shredder in your office. Well, now that's sat on someone's kitchen table. And so how are you uh, securing that personal data of your clients? Yes, and before you know it, your children are coloring on it. <laughs> Underlining it. <laughs> Circling social security numbers with red crayons. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've got unsecure remote access. We've got home machines, home machines themselves. We've got home internet you know, that's got a whole bunch of things hooked up to it. You've got the printing of paper um, that previously would have been at the office and been shredded and had its own security system. Plus, we've got the mimicking thing. Is there more going on that we should know about for the purposes of this episode? Uh, I, I think there is lots going on. Uh, we, we've just got to look at, uh, you know, what we say to our clients now, you know, gone are the days really where you bought X, Y, Z, and that would secure your environment. Really what you're doing now is closing that door smaller and smaller and creating that opening less, less more inviting. Uh, and then with some internal processes, uh, so things around, like I said before, around checking account numbers that have been certified, uh, also having your software and system set up were what we call uh, least privileges to be successful in their role. So it may be that you've got a real good employee and you trust them. So they've got access, all your employees have got access to everything within your practice management software, for instance. 
Well, they, they actually don't need all that access to be successful in their role. Uh, and so we should think about actually restricting that down so then they are uh, successful in their role, but then they haven't got that access. Uh, because actually, you know, so far we've talked about that external threat, but actually you've got an internal threat. The the biggest threat, you know, the the malware and the zero-day exploits is, is something that everyone sees all over the news. Uh, but actually the biggest threat is your internal employees. Either they have accidentally deleted some data or altered some data, or they have maliciously deleted or extracted data, you know, you don't get to know that your employees aren't happy until they give you a white envelope in a lot of occasions. Well, they've probably had a month's worth of time to understand that they're not happy. And what do they do in that month's amount of time with your data? Uh, you know, your data is your crown jewels uh, and it's your client's crown jewels. So if they've got access to, for instance, bank records or national insurance numbers or even a date of birth, so you've got different categories around your data and uh, the data that is accessible on the internet. So your name and your business email address is actually low risk data because that can be found anywhere. But anything that can't be found anywhere, uh, you know, even down to your payroll details, if that is all in one system and everybody within your practice has got access to all of that, well, you're creating a massive exposure there that it doesn't matter what the outside world's seeing, actually, you've got an internal risk. Yeah. Okay. So we've got external risk, internal risk, either accidental or malicious, like you say. So I'm feeling my own heart rate go up with all this risk. And I imagine some listeners are too going, oh gosh, hmm, there's a lot here to unpack. Yep. Before we get into how to address these challenges and these risks, Let's make this real for listeners because it can be easy to be like, oh, that won't happen to me. You know, I'm just a small shop. Nobody's going to find me. No one cares about what we're doing. We're just a two person operation. Bring this to life for us. What have you actually seen happen with some of your clients? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of instances. I mean, the one that springs to mind around the, the email call to action is uh, one of our clients was actually in the process of doing M an M&A. So there was a third party involved in that M&A. Uh, so they knew that uh, £40,000 was going to be requested. That £40,000 was requested. They paid that invoice in full. A month later, they knew another £40,000 was coming. So they they got that invoice and they paid that invoice in full. Uh, and then that invoice uh, got stopped by the bank. Uh, and the bank by then had, had understood that that account number was actually a fraudulent account. And so the second transaction got stopped by the bank. Uh, and then this then unfolded to be that actually the third party that was involved, the people in the middle, had, had actually had what we call a man in the middle attack. So they'd actually had their email breached and those emails were legitimate, but when they were sent, they were then stopped, redesigned, the account numbers were changed and sent on. And so what they were actually paying was a fraudulent account. Uh, and it was only because they actually had uh, cyber fraud, the correct cyber fraud insurance, because uh, the first £40 had been paid. It was only the second £40 that had been stopped. So they had to invoke their insurance. Uh, and it was just because they had the right insurance, they got that actual £40,000 back. Uh, but without that, that's a really good, you know, most people tell you to, you know, did you expect it? Is it from the right people? You know, is it does it look right? Uh, and so in this occasion, all three of those got big ticks in a box. Uh, but, you know, that is a brand new account number to you. And so you sh really there should have been a process to ring that individual 
and just sanity check that that detail is correct before we actually transact. Uh, and that's a real good example of how that is uh, creating a problem. Uh, I would say another big problem is, is that when you do get hacked and then that the biggest thing that the, the hacker is going to try and do is try and do what we call raise their privileges. So they're trying to get the maximum amount of privileges within your environment to see the maximum amount of data, which then gives them the maximum amount of uh, opportunity to get what they need. Uh, and so we've seen numerous uh We've took on one account that just in the last few months that actually got hacked uh, and that user risk and that understanding of what permissions that people have got wasn't wasn't uh, fulfilled beforehand. And so a very junior apprentice, uh, unfortunately, they clicked on something they shouldn't have done. They then got hacked. That apprentice had the keys to the castle which obviously they didn't need to fulfill their role. Uh, and then from that point on, the hacker was then able to go around the whole environment. They stayed around for around two months' time. They then send uh, a nice, polite uh, hacker banner on all the machines. Uh, and at that point, they say, uh, we want X amount of money because they understand potentially how much money your business has got and what it's transacting. Uh, and also they say, if you don't pay this, maybe you've got a backup we are going to publish your data online. And so three things, a couple of things happening there. One, the user's not got the right permission, so they've exploited that. They've hung around for a few months to understand what is this crown jewels we've come upon, how much can we get out of this? And thirdly, they understand that you don't have the monitoring on your network to know where they've been. And so when they tell you they have took data and they're going to explore it, have they took it or have they not? And so you as a business owner, you don't know if they have or haven't. So even if you can recover your business because you've got the right continuity systems or whatever you may have to bring that operations back to normal, you're still going to end up paying that ransom because if that got out to your clients and that data got exposed to the internet, that would probably be your brand and business not reopening tomorrow. And so you don't know if they have or haven't got any of that data. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit breathless. So in in cases like this, what is the what are the sums that they're asking for? Anything from, you know, it all depends on the turnover of the business, uh, what they're seeing within the business. Uh, also, uh, what data have they got? You know, if it's data on some s small brands, for instance, that's going to expose X amount of type of uh, brands. But if some of your clients are actually uh, big brands, well, they've now got, even more weight uh, uh, to understand actually I can get more for, for this exposure. Are we talking tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions or what? It can, it can be tens of thousands. It can be hundreds of thousands. Uh, you know, like, a, like I mentioned earlier, when, when they first look at your business, because maybe it replies to something that they send to your, to your firewalls, for instance, uh, at that point, they don't actually know who you are. They've just picked a random set of details and just sent things and seen what came back. It's only when they start to uncover the lid, they get to understand that actually is this a, you know, it's a bit like us when we're, when we're looking at clients, when we're looking at prospects, you know, when you may first interact with a prospect, you sort of have an idea of what they are, but you don't know how mature they are, what size they are, what their turnover is, what their requirements are. That's exactly what the hacker's doing. He's getting it all of a turnover business. Uh, in a lot of occasions, they're not even hackers anymore because you can actually buy 
these solutions online. You can pay monthly for people to hack your environments. They then sell that almost like a almost like a dorky to someone that knows a little bit about it, and then that person will then do the exploit. <laughs> Oh so you can God. actually buy a monthly rental like you can with an IT partner uh, to actually get your hands-on environments that have got exploits or they've been hacked already. Uh, and you can actually pay X amount if you're just going to use the machines to be engines to do something else, or you have to pay a little bit more if you want to actually exploit them. Uh, so it's it's a whole business that's sat behind the scenes. Okay, so there's a whole ecosystem of hacking businesses where you can buy pre-hacked businesses, if you will, yeah. that have sort of found little places to exploit and they've already been sussed out and you buy the rights to take it to the next level, if you will. Yes, yeah, definitely. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> so I want to make sure that we have time to talk about how to address some of these things. You know, let's actually bring up the one piece about either VAs or subs, because you mentioned the man in the middle piece with the MA earlier. And there's the work from home piece, but then you've also got maybe people have VAs overseas or they've got subs that they're working with who, you know, maybe you've hired an EA to help you during tax season. What are the risks there? I, I would definitely be looking at that that least access necessary. Uh, so, you know, you may trust this VA, you may understand what they're doing. It could be a hell of a lot easier for you to just go into your practice management software, create a user, give them admin, and that'll get them on their way. Uh, it's definitely a time to look at actually what do these people need to be successful? What access do they need? And then it's also about using uh, tools uh, to allow them to do certain things with that data. So a great example is the Microsoft Office 365 platform. So you can give them access to data and communication streams and, and platforms. But for instance, you might only allow them to view it online. They can't download it and they can't print it if that's not a function that they need to be successful. So now you know you've containerized your data They've only got access to a subset of that data and they can only view it online and you can remove it at any point in time. Uh, also, real good practice now is two-factor authentication. Uh, so you would definitely impose that two-factor authentication onto th them as individuals, but also yourselves and other people as well. Uh, that then means that if they do get, uh, for instance, hacked, on their own machine because you've no control of that. If then they find out what that password is, the second part to the password is constantly changing every every 10 seconds. And so the hacker then will struggle to get back onto the system. Okay, there's a lot in there. So for people who are listening who are thinking, yeah, I need to get on top of this because this represents a risk that I'm just not willing to take. How can we simplify this for them in terms of breaking it down into either step-by-step step or section-by-section? Section. Yeah. So, so the two biggest things that I do as a, as a first action, one is really look and go in depth on your processes that equals any transaction to payment. So the, the biggest things we're seeing now is these call to actions, even if for small amounts of money. And sometimes they build up. So they start off small and they build up. So I would definitely look at your internal processes. Who's got the authority to do a transaction for payment? How are you going to create more uh, sanity checks and check marks on that? So even if you as an owner request a payment to X person, you may do that on email or text. You then expect a phone call back 
from that individual to clarify that you sent it, you're okay with it, and then that you're okay me contacting X person to sanitize check that that bank account detail is correct. Uh, puts a little, a few more steps in there, but it definitely means that you cannot be pushed to one side and just, you know, if something happens. Uh, and that's a real great step to put in there because that's your biggest risk is that, you know, one of your biggest risks is, is the payment side. The other one is your data. So the next thing that I would do is I would create sort of a, a data risk catalog. So down the left-hand side, I would list out all the different types of data included where they live. Uh, and then I would say, what's the risk profile of that data? So if it's uh, internal data, if it's external data, if it's clients, if it's just clients, you know, for instance, their business name, their office name, their email address, their contact details, that's low risk. If you've then got things like payroll details, if you've got uh, how to log into their systems and interact in their zero, et cetera. And then at the side of that, what's the cost? So what's the cost if that data was lost? Uh, and then that will then help you to understand who needs access to what and what's the cost if they get access to that. Uh, so then you so you've basically then ended up with the the software that you're using, the different types of data, the the cost of of the impact if that was to go, and then the next column would be the mitigation. If the uh, the risk is high and the cost is high the mitigation would say how you're going to reduce that. So you're going to reduce that by having less people that's got access to it. You're going to, uh, for instance, add on two-factor authentication. Uh, you're going to stop, for instance, uh, anything being printed. So you they can view it on screen, but they can't print it off the system. Uh, and you might also then move on to, you know, how they can access it. So for instance, very high risk and very high cost, you may say that you've got to use a corporate machine. I'm not going to allow you to use your home machines anymore. Uh, and so then you would have a corporate machine. Then you may also have that they've got to have a VPN, for instance, if they're working from home. So you, you're no longer going to be able to access any data unless you've got a VPN that's going to secure you back to the office. So there's lots of different ways you can mitigate it. But the idea really is to just get out in the open what software have you got? What data does it hold at different levels? And, and then how can you start to break that down and understand that risk? Okay, great. That's a really helpful way to lay it out for listeners to be able to think about how to move through some of this material. If people or for the accountants and the CPAs who already just have an overflowing plate and think to themselves, yes, I need to do this, but I do not have the bandwidth to head this up. How can they find you? Okay, yeah, ourselves, uh, you can find us on focustex.co.uk uh, or you can just interact with myself or on LinkedIn. So that's linkedin.in slash Darren slash strong. You know, more than happy to answer any questions and help anybody through this. Okay, awesome. And we'll get links to those in the show notes in case you weren't able to get those down with a pencil. Darren Strong, this has been super helpful. Thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Darren, for coming on the podcast. This conversation strikes me as a case of all the things we didn't know we didn't know when it comes to data security. If data security is important to you and you want a pro to do an audit and make sure you're protected, 
You can find out more about Darren's company at focustex.co.uk or find him on LinkedIn. And I will put links to both of those URLs in the show notes. I'm also going to give him a plug, which I don't usually do from this podcast, because I don't want to think that you can't afford tech security outsource services. His audits run just a few hundred dollars and ongoing securities in the $40 a month range at the time of recording, which is March of 2021. So for less than a thousand bucks a year, you could be making significant strides in protecting your company and your client's data. If you're holding on to bank account information and social security numbers, that seems imminently reasonable to me. You don't want your brand to get taken down and your business to evaporate overnight because of a data security breach. So if you want to find out more, check out the links to his website in the show notes. Now that we're right at the end of tax season, soon it will be time to think about reorienting your focus to growing your own business. If you've been wondering about working together in a one-on-one capacity, but haven't had the time to give it more thought than that, I would urge you to apply now for my four-month VIP coaching. I only have one spot left for the foreseeable future. If you apply by April 15th, you get a $2,500 discount. You heard that right. And simply applying doesn't commit you to anything. You can find out more at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com under the coaching link. That's it for me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down a 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.